Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up, guys? Coach Steve here. Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, Coach Steve. I'm excited about Coach's Corner because I get to have my coaches say... Your coaches say, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, look, Nick, this is episode number five. So we last episode was episode number four, the four corners of a, a little boxing ring. Now it's a, mm-hmm. episode number five. I'm kind of in this like hexagon ring uh, and it doesn't really make much much sense, um, but it's okay. You just imagine a little little uh, hexagon shape of our coaches corner. We have like, the, the five corners around, um, but welcome to the coaches corner. If you're finding it for the very first time, though our coaches say where we offer our tip for the week. Um, Nick, episode number five, I'm excited. Uh, let us know, let us know, let's kick us off. We're in, the, we're in the red corner with Coach Nick. What advice do you have for us this week? Well, hi everybody. I wanna to chat to you because we're starting the challenge. It's a good time when we're starting the challenge to chat a little bit about our goals and not just talk about goals because we always talk about goals. But I wanna break these goals down into sustainable fitness goals versus maybe what is unsustainable. So I'll just quickly also talk about in here the the meal plan. Just say we gave you absolutely everything and we said you have to eat this and you have to eat that. It may not necessarily even be relevant to you, firstly, because that would be way more cookie cutter than what we do. But even if you stuck to that, you wouldn't learn this thing that you need to learn only once if you haven't learned it, which is all about the nutritional building blocks, which I tend to rave on about a lot. I'm going to become a nutritional building block soon. But that actual learning process that you go through is what is going to sustain you throughout life beyond the challenge, beyond anything that you do into the supermarket, into restaurants, into family gatherings, that knowledge is a sustainable goal. So I would say, just say that you find everything daunting, which of course, if it's your first time doing something like this, I would say your one goal could be, let me get my head around how food works. If you walk away from the challenge with just that, I will cry with happiness. That will make me so happy. That's a sustainable goal that then you can pass on to others and um, the chain continues. But anyway, I digress a little bit. So What is a sustainable fitness goal? It is a goal that is realistic and achievable within a reasonable time frame. So let's talk about the 12 weeks. So that's a reasonable time frame to achieve something realistic. Also taking into account factors such as your age. Well, I mean, look, honestly, I put that in there, but who cares about age? Because we know that like I'm a strong beast at my age, so whatever. But yeah, um, health And your lifestyle, uh, your work, your environment, what is it that um, might be some limiting factors for you? So we don't all have 24 hours to spend in the gym or to recover or to do saunas and other things like that. So we have to be realistic as to what we can achieve. So I think some sustainable goals, if you're not already doing them within the challenge, could be increasing your physical activity, reducing the time that you're just sitting around doing nothing. So that's sort of the same. Um, and improving your overall 
health markers. So that could be something that could be something just to look at. So just things like improving your quality of sleep, um, improving your stress levels. You might be you might be able to get to sleep better. Um, you know, just that sort of stuff. The really base stuff are some, some sustainable goals that you can look at um, working towards because that's going to build the foundation for an awesome physique down the line. So an unsustainable fitness goal is something that is often really um, ambitious, which is awesome. We love ambitious. We love ambition, but um, it can be unrealistic if you say, I want to do rapid weight loss from the very start and I'm also not going to move. I'm not going to, I'm going to have no activity and I'm going to lose weight rapidly. Um, that can lead to a bit of burnout because you're on low calories. Uh, you're not sure what you're, you're sort of doing it for. You might have lost your direction. You might... Uh, and this is only in week one. So you might actually burn out. So that could be um, something where, you know, you're also doing intense workouts. You're trying to put everything into it and you might not be able to last. I don't know many people that can last with that sort of an extreme regime. You know, even somebody who does, who's an elite crossfitter will fuel themselves for that. They won't be on an extreme diet. So we need to sort of take it back a little bit and think long-term. I promise you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to think long-term, I promise you that's going to help you achieve sustainable fitness goals. So start slowly, gradually build up your intensity and your duration um, and set small achievable targets along the way. Um, that's why I love weights because they are actually <laughs> literally achievable targets that you can touch, you can feel, they get heavier. Um, you know this, it's a solid actual thing that you're doing which I love I love numbers I love data that keeps me grounded as grounded as I appear in this podcast but imagine if I didn't have weights I don't know where I'd be I'd be somewhere in the air um, it's also important to really tap into your own sensations about all of this how does the food feel for you uh what what does your body respond to what do you like what do you dislike so for me i'm not a huge fan i don't like to eat after about maybe 6 30 only because i don't sleep very well um if i've if i've got if i'm trying to digest something but for other people um it's the opposite say for shane he loves to have something to eat at about eight o'clock and um that will help him go to sleep so you've just got to listen to your own body as well as other people's advice so you always want to tap into what you know is true for you as well um that also is important for when you've got you know your, your pain your injury your fatigue things like that people might say don't train with an injury but then there might be ways around it you know um there might be things and coach steve you're more qualified than me to talk about that but i know that you agree with me on that um yeah so you, you want to um sustainability is you know balanced it's varied um it has can include a combination of stuff so i love my walking as well as my weight training i try and focus on that now um but then you know a bit of swimming is nice uh sometimes i'll do a hit class here and there just for a bit of variety and to do that with my husband um healthy diet so that is another thing um as we we do speak about you know nutritious diet is is something that that really i would love to think can be sustainable i don't want people to think you're on this for 12 weeks and then you're going to cut loose of course you can have things but try and incorporate them as you go so then they don't become this thing that you can suddenly spend all your energy worrying about and put yourself backwards 
you want to incorporate it in. So I want you to practice understanding that food. It comes back to that again. Um, but yeah, you want your base to be the fruits, veggies, lean proteins and whole grains. It's, it's what our menu is. It's what our meal plan is. Sometimes I can't even think of foods to add to the database because I can't, there's nothing more. I don't even know. Um, yeah. So uh, I think also for sustainable fitness goals, you want to make sure, as I said, enough sleep. And another one is really important. What is really important is that social support coach, Steve. So our Facebook group, our forum, our chats that we have open, they're something that once you connect with that community, those like-minded people, that is something that's going to propel you to the next level to make sure that your goals are sustainable because you become part of that community. You share with people, people share with you. You get that little bit of happiness as well. You don't want to always do things on your own. And finally, the reason why even in our other podcasts, we talk about community highlights because it's so important to celebrate and acknowledge your achievements, no matter how small they might seem, they will be so inspiring to someone else. It doesn't matter what it is. I swear there'll be someone sitting there watching you going, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they posted that because now I'm going to give it a go. Um, yeah, so I think it's really important to think of all of those things and think about, tell me, write to me, on the Facebook group, tell me what you're going to do to make sure that your goals are sustainable in this challenge. Ooh, Coach Nick with the goods. I like <laughs> it. The goods. Nick, I want to throw a little, little spanner in the works. Okay. So you've spoken a lot about um, sustainable goals or realistic goals, um, mm -hmm. and then maybe more sustainable habits, sustainable routines. Um, do you think there's any time where unsustainable habits or behaviors could be beneficial? Yes. When you're bodybuilding and you're ready for a show, that's not sustainable. And that's um, something that there, there's that get in, get out. So if you're, if we're talking to pointy end people, in the challenge that want to win the competition if you want to get super super lean if you're training for any extreme competition um, that is probably unsustainable behavior long term but i don't reckon i'm talking to those people because i reckon to get to the elite level you need to have your habits sorted oh you you caught that spanner and threw it straight back me i love you it. Like love it? it i like it i like it look yeah. i think i just wanted to to comment on that idea where um you know we speak a lot about the challenge being something that's that's long term something that we want uh you know challenges to engage with um not just for the the 12 weeks or the six weeks or however long you know something that we do for six months 12 months um i do know that there are times where we need to dip into some unsustainable behaviors and that could be in competition prep that could be in our own training where you know if you might be training at an advanced level you're following like meso progressions where every maybe four weeks you kind of like peak or so you try to push yourself to that little bit further and then you take a deload week where um, if you are staying in this comfort zone of trying to be sustainable forever you might not be applying a stimulus to your body that elicits a change elicits an adaptation take something like a diet right um you know we don't want to be in like an energy deficit diet forever it's not sustainable but we also apply an unsustainable behavior which is dieting you know low-key restricting our energy um so that we can elicit a change and then once we've gone through a dieting period let's say it's six weeks or 12 weeks we might come off of that diet and go back to a maintenance phase. Um, 
So I just wanted to throw that spanner back at you and say, um, hey, you know, I think some un some unsustainable behaviors can be okay. It shouldn't be feared all the time. And if we're constantly going to that comfort zone of, oh, it's not sustainable, not sustainable, you might be missing out on some, uh, you know, powerful moments of change. However, Nick, I do want to grab that spanner off you and take it back to me and go, yes, many, many challenges have come and join us for the very first time. Um, I brand new to this and dipping their toes in the water is, is a lot and we need to acknowledge and go hey like let's think long term like how can you build um some sustainable habits and routines some realistic goals and go hey like how about we start by getting you know seven to nine hours of sleep every day how about we start by drinking at least one full glass of water a day how about we start by eating some vegetables right something that's sustainable so that it can drive our our goals right yeah, definitely. And I think that that's my audience for this particular little um, lecture, because just looking around at the forum and things and, and things that have been on my mind this weekend where, where people are asking so many questions about how to put the meals together. And, and I want, I encourage you to, to get out of your comfort zone in that way and learn about those different things and the components that go into that because that's going to lead to sustainable behavior when then what you can do is with that sustainable behavior, that base, then you can go into unsustainable territory. Mm. It's like you're a, you're a pilot and you've learned how to fly and now you've been offered to fly a rocket ship. But if you didn't know how to fly that plane, they wouldn't let you. I'm sure it's completely different. <laughs> I'll have to ask my brother. He's a pilot. So shout out to Dario. I'll ask him if it's the same. Yeah. I think an analogy people can relate with maybe like a car right you might yeah, start probably off better than a, a rocket ship yeah, yeah yeah you start off by you know we're driving the learners plate on you know we spoke about that in the challenge weekly show a few days ago um mm -hmm. you know you might start off with your learners plates on and then one day you might be on a racetrack or you're going a little, little bit faster a similar idea so i think uh the important thing is understanding where the sustainability realistic lot like barrier lies once we're comfortable with that barrier, then we can go, okay, what is on the other side of that, you know, unsustainable, how long can I stay in that unsustainable area before I come back out? Kind of, for some reason, I thought about like radiation, <laughs> like how long can you be in radiation, <laughs> right? Um, or maybe yeah. a better one is like in the heat, right? Maybe you you, you know the, the like a sauna, you may not be a fan of the sauna or something like that. How long can you stay in the heat? Does it give you any benefit before you have to come out? Because something like a sauna, you know, there's some interesting research that says maybe hey it could be beneficial to our health in, in in some way but it's not sustainable you couldn't live in a sauna right so you know is there any benefit in going into this unsustainable territory before and then come come back out hmm. um but we we need to understand the zone before we step out of the zone yeah and also just to elaborate on that really quickly obviously then you can adapt to sustainability so for me what's sustainable for me now is something far different to when I first began my journey. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the level of body fat that I sustain now would have been unheard of before. It would have been like almost at, at like a first time comp type thing. Mm -hmm. And that is simply because of time and practice and methods and, and um, you know, gaining muscle mass, all those sort of behaviors, things that, that have um, led to me being able to be comfortably someone else's version of unsustainable. Ooh, Nick, I don't know who's got the spanner right now, but I know, like, stop. Where's it too deep and meaningful for two people that haven't slept no, very much? No, I love it. I love it. Well, look, I think we're starting to conclude that, you know, we all have our own um, scaling sustainability, yeah. right? Our own 
uh, view, uh, subjective view of what is realistic. Um, and as we spend more time in this unsustainable realm, our sustainability bubble grows. So you might look at Coach Nick's uh, transformation photos. You might look at some some videos of me weightlifting on places like like Instagram. You might be like, oh, geez, I, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, deadlifting 160 kilos like Coach Nick. Geez, that's that's so unsustainable. My body would would crumble. Whereas Nick goes, oh, that's that, that's called Tuesday. That's 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 what I do. That's so, birthday deadlift. That's right. So, uh, happy birthday, Nick, for last week. Uh, oh, now, now, you know that that's where we have this kind of like bubbling it's this this oscillating sustainability bubble oh my gosh daily undulating sustainability there you go there you go so it's about understanding like where where can we live right now when can we step outside of that and then where we live right now slowly grows to become the new normal um and you know we call that the the uh gas principle general adaptation syndrome where we adapt to new stresses um so I think I've, I've got the spanner right now. Maybe I'm throwing it back to you. I think that being unsustainable sometimes, sometimes, uh, and, and to be specific, I'm talking about unsustainable behaviors, not unsustainable goals. They're a little bit different. Um, you know, realistic goals might be achieved through unsustainable behaviors. Um, and it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable and understand that, oh, geez, my calories are at 1500 calories. Oh, geez, that's unsustainable. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's meant to be a little bit unsustainable for the next 12 weeks because it's not something for life. You do it for 12 weeks, you might lose a little bit of weight and then you might increase your calories back to a maintenance um, calorie intake so that you maintain that body weight. Um, but Nick, that was really good. That was really good. I like it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Your turn. <laughs> My turn. Ah, Nick. Okay. Um, I want to take a bit of a speed run through advanced training techniques, also known as intensifiers, uh, mainly because there's been a number of questions over the past couple of weeks about um, advanced training techniques, such as drop sets, supersets, those types of things. So I'm gonna take a, uh, a very shallow a shallow deep dive, there's an oxymoron for you, um, about uh, just the overarching idea of advanced training techniques um, and how much thought we should be putting into some of these techniques, okay? so. Firstly, what are, what am I talking about now? Advanced training techniques, intensifiers, um, you know, they, they have a few few other names, um, but essentially, they are techniques that we can apply in training to increase the total amount of volume that we uh, do in the gym. Okay, so you might have heard these terms before: supersets, where you do two exercises back to back; drop sets, where you do an exercise, you drop the weight, you you keep doing exercises; rest pause, where you take a take a pause uh, at the end of your set and try to do a few more reps, and you pause again and do a few more reps. And the idea of these is that we are trying to add volume, trying to do more work in a shorter period of time. Okay, now these intensifiers are, are, are really cool because what it does is it takes our intensity, our dose of exercise to a, a higher dosage, um, which would elicit uh, a greater adaptation. So we're applying more stress onto our body for our body to adapt to. Now, sometimes, you know, we're, we're training to a certain level and it's really difficult to try to go beyond that um, for a range of reasons. Sometimes it could be um, logistical reasons, it could be personal reasons, mental type of thing. Like, you know, you, you stop at 10 reps because it's a round number at 10, you know, you couldn't just do 11. Or you might stop at 100 kilos because it's a round number. As soon as you put 101 kilos, you, you, you just can't lift that weight. Um, so there are some limitations when we're training and using an intensifier, like maybe a drop set might be a way just to push it that little bit further to elicit adaptation, growth, you know, progress. Okay, so there's benefits there. Um, the, the limitation is that you are doing more work, right? You're, you're, you're adding more to the program 
it's at a higher intensity. When we're adding a higher intensity, a higher load closer to failure, um, that adds lots of fatigue because the closer we get to failure, it's a little bit exponential. We, we really start to engage in lots of fatigue accumulating. That's, that's on a, a, a local sense or a peripheral sense in the muscle itself. Um, in the connected tissue around, in the joints around, and then also centrally. So, you know, if you do a really big leg session, you know, the next day or the rest of the day, and maybe the next day, you're, you're just tired, you're sleepy. You're like, oh, geez, that was just a big workout. The leg's a little bit sore, but then the body is, is completely sore as well. So we need to understand that if we are engaging in advanced training techniques or intensifiers, that it can compound our fatigue. We start... Um, needing to really manage our fatigues so that we're not uh, kind of in this realm of overtraining where it's limiting. Um, and using some of these techniques can be limiting because it's difficult to measure progress. Okay. Um, and I might give an example when we kind of go through some of the, the, the techniques specifically, but the idea is that, you know, it's hard to measure some of these intensifiers. So if you go to repeat at the next session, how do you measure it? How do you know that you've even reached the same level as before so that you can progress again? Okay, so let's let's take a bit of a, a speed run through different types of advanced training techniques. First one, probably the most common one are supersets where you would do uh, two exercises or more, three exercises, four exercises, like back to back to back. Okay, so you might do, um, let's say you've got some dumbbells in your hands, you're doing like a dumbbell lateral raise, you do a set of 10, and then as soon as you've done your set of 10, you might go straight into like dumbbell bicep curls. Now, this is a really cool way to save time because instead of uh, resting between sets, you're training maybe different muscle groups, biceps, shoulders, uh, back to back to each other so that you don't need uh, to, to rest between those. Now, you can either do a superset between different muscle groups or similar muscle groups. Now, the benefit of course, saving time, um, the limitation is that when you do the first exercise, let's say the lateral raises, you have accumulated some fatigue in your body. You've, you've depleted um, you know, your, your energy a little bit. So when you go to your bicep curls, you might be able to get, let's say 10 reps in the bicep curl. But if you did your lateral raises, had a rest for a minute or two, and then did your bicep curls, you may have been able to do 12 reps or 15 reps. So then we can make the argument that you're just leaving gains on the table. You know, you're training your biceps less than if you just had a rest. Okay. Uh, next, we have things like drop sets. Drop sets, um, using, let's say, a bicep curl as an example, you might grab the 10 kilo dumbbells, you do 10 reps of a bicep curl, then you drop or put down <laughs> the dumbbells, and then you grab a 5 kilo dumbbell, and you do another 10 reps. So you've dropped the weight um, so that you can do more reps. And this is really cool. Normally, it's a 30% it's a drop is what we kind of do in a, in a drop set, and we might do that once or twice um, in a set. And imagine this idea of, you know, you're trying to get to an effort of 10. Um, you might do a set and you might get to an effort of nine. You drop the weight and you try to push a little bit further. You get to a 9.5, you drop the weight again. You push a little bit further and you try, you try to get closer and closer to that, that end of, of like a 10. Um, and again, this is a really great way to add volume in a time efficient way. However, it really drastically ramps up the fatigue. And what tends to happen in drop sets is in the first set, if you're doing a dumbbell bicep curl, you do 10 repetitions. Um, you then you drop the weight to five kilos and you do another 10 repetitions. But you did that because you know the drop set is coming up. So what you could have done is just did 12 reps at 10 kilos on a dumbbell curl rather than 10 reps and then try to save yourself to do the drop set. So this can be a, a form of what I call a pseudo progression or fake progression where you think, oh, I'm going to do the drop set and you kind of restrict 
the first set because you know the drop set is coming. Same as the super set. You restrict the first set because you know the second set is coming. When you may benefit from just doing um, you know, one complete set, taking it close to failure, you might get 12 reps or 13 reps, and then you go through a process of straight sets where you just do the next set, and then you have a rest and do the next set. Um, so drop sets. Next would be rest pause sets um, or, or myo reps. And rest pause set is this idea where you might, again, maybe bicep curl, for example, you do 10 repetitions, you rest for, you know, one, two, three, four, five seconds, uh, and then you do a few more reps. So you might be able to get like three or four reps, you pause again, and you do a few more reps. Uh, rest pause, kind of similar to drop sets, but you're not dropping the weight. Um, this can work really nicely in, let's say, machines. I don't know, you've got like a leg extension situation going you got the leg extension set up, you do 10 repetitions, you reach close to failure, you pause for, you know, three or four seconds, take a few deep breaths in, and then you try to do a few more reps, and you do that three or four times. Um, again, taking yourself really close to, to failure or absolute volition where you can't move that weight anymore, really high dose of stimulus, again, ramping up the fatigue, okay. Uh, next up, we've got this category of partial repetitions. So instead of doing a full rep, you do some partial rep. And that could be examples of things like eccentric fo focused, where you'd focus on the lengthening portion. So you might see uh, people doing a bicep curl, they curl the dumbbell up to their, their shoulder, and then they're slowly lowering it down and focusing on the eccentric portion. Forced repetitions, you might use a partner um, or maybe your opposite hand. So you might force the weight up in a dumbbell curl, then you slowly focus on the eccentric down. So you're going beyond failure now. So if you do 10 repetitions of a bicep curl, then you get your gym bro or broette to help you lift the weight up and you slowly lower it down, you're going beyond failure. Tempo would be this idea of um, slowing the weight down or focusing on uh, how fast or slow you do the movement. Other ideas of partial reps, we've got pauses where you can add a pause in certain portion of the rep and then also pulses you might see it's gaining a little bit of popularity things like you know one and a quarter repetitions repetitions and stuff like that they're all under the umbrella of partial reps um, again i think in terms of lifting weights we want to be training with a maximal range of motion so that we can stimulate the muscle at its entire length especially at the lengthened positions um, and if we're spending lots of time in shortened ranges of motion we might be leaving gains on the table so instead of engaging with partial reps you might benefit from just doing a few more full repetitions and taking yourself close to that technical failure Finally, Nick, we have uh, techniques such as pre and post exhaust. We don't really talk about it much in the challenge um, or get many questions about pre and post um, exhaust training. The idea would be, um, let's say for a, uh, you're training your quads, you're gonna be doing a squat. You might pre-exhaust the squat. So you might do a leg extension first. So you're exhausting the quadriceps so that when you go to do the quadriceps in, uh, train your quadriceps in the squats for the next exercise your quads are already pre-exhausted before you go into your squat okay so that's the idea and then there's a post-exhaust as well where you might do your squat your squat and then straight after that you, you step onto a or sit into a leg extension machine machine and you you try to exhaust them after the fact very similar to a superset but a little bit different idea now nick you can kind of see where i'm going at with my little bit of bias thrown into these advanced training techniques where I don't believe they are that advanced. I think that they are um, limiting in progress. Um, and I think they are a bit more of a distraction than anything productive. <laughs> so uh, in most cases, we would benefit from straight sets where we do our set, have a rest, do another set, have a rest, do another set. And then we finish that exercise, move on to the next exercise, straight sets. 
focusing on taking that set close to a point of failure where we can't do any more repetitions, engaging with that muscle at a full uh, range of motion, um, and then appreciating that if the next set we do fewer reps, we are confident that we um, have exhausted that muscle, okay? This way we can accurately measure how many reps we did, what weight we did at a full range of motion, so that next time we go to train, we can clearly see where we've progressed. If we can't progress, instead of adding advanced training techniques or intensifiers, we're probably better off by just adding some more load to the bar or doing another repetition or adding another set in. So we're just increasing the actual uh, variables of training rather than trying to change the training all up. Now, that's not saying that advanced techniques aren't uh, useful in some ways or, or fun. You know, some techniques are really nice ways to get a pump or to feel the muscle, engage in that mind-muscle connection. And uh, Nick, I'm sure you've engaged in things like supersets and drop sets before. Um, they can be really nice if you add them into maybe the last set that you complete of a certain exercise, or maybe in the final week of your meso, in the, in the four weeks of training, um, just so you can kind of add that little bit of a, a, a sprinkle, a little bit of salt bay onto the top of your training, uh, but it shouldn't encompass your entire training uh environment is in engaging in these advanced training techniques uh so yeah. nick what mm. do you think i 100 percent agree i it brought up um past training for me where when i first started training um somebody taught me about pre-exhaustion i didn't really get told what it was but i was doing so much stuff like um hamstring curls other stuff before squatting and I always, I didn't know much back then, but I always used to think, why? Because I've now I literally am exhausted to go into the squat and I, I don't think I'm going to be able to um, do as well as what I could. And then I proved my own point later on in my training career by just not doing that stuff. And I soared. Soared. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's obviously anecdotal. That's just my own things. But I'm not, not I don't really like supersets either. I feel like... I feel like it, it just feels rushed as well. It feels like to me that you're not, I just don't feel like I'm engaging with each exercise. I feel like training is my one thing where I tend to try and slow myself down and, and focus on the one thing. So for me, I, I'm not the hugest fan, but I, I understand from what you're saying that, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. For me, I've had the most success just focusing on one thing at a time within my training. Yeah, yeah. I think you really nailed it there where, uh, Training takes a certain amount of focus while you're while you're while you're lifting, um, and if you are engaging in techniques that force you to rush it, or you're trying to rush your rest, or or, or distract yourself, or or, or in, engage in different techniques, like it can be distracting what you're trying to achieve. You're in trying to achieve more volume. You're trying to achieve uh, more weight on the bar, or more repetitions, or more control over the load. And if you are engaging in other ways to intensify it, you might be missing from the, the big rocks of intensifying it, just doing more, right? Or training at a higher, higher just intensity. And I think some individuals who lean towards these advanced techniques simply don't know how to train hard in a straight set. And I, I mean that with empathy. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, geez, no, no, Steve, you're a dickhead. No, no, I'm sorry. Like a bit of empathy. Um, you may not know how to train to true failure and you're trying to achieve that through advanced training techniques like a drop set, which can be fine, but you might face limitations moving forward because how do you repeat that stimulus over and over again? You know, if you're doing a drop set, you're doing 10 kilos, then you're dropping it to five kilos, you did 10 reps of 10 kilos, and then 
five reps of five kilos? What if you did 10 reps? What if you did 11 reps of 10 kilos, but then only three reps at five kilos? Is that an improvement or is that, it's, it gets tricky. How do you measure it and improve over time in something that you can actually control? Uh, mm. And I think that's the big takeaway is that, you know, if you think of just those three numbers, how many sets did you do? How many reps did you do? What weight did you did? Did you do? <laughs> did you do? Uh, increase those three numbers over time. Great, happy days. If you're trying to add in other things, it muddies the water. Yeah, and also, you know how you just said, um, tell you you're a dickhead. Um, I, I would love people to write in and tell us that we're dickheads about this stuff that we're saying here. Um, that'd be awesome because that's that's our passion. We love talking about this stuff. So tell us if, if you, you have a different argument about that. That's something that we'd like to chat about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd definitely take on uh, any any healthy uh, and constructive debate over, over these Yeah, things. banter over banter. training will be fun. Let's do that. Let's do that. Get back to old school. (laughs) Uh, Nah, Nick, look, let's wrap it up there for episode number five of the Coach's Corner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know and uh, we'll catch you in the next one, episode number six. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.